Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Leanne Bach with M Realty. Keep your finger on the pulse of Portland's hot real estate market. Call Leanne for unparalleled customer service and the highest level of marketing available. Make sure your position in the marketplace doesn't leave money on the table by visiting leannebach.com or call Leanne direct at 503-349-7890. By Chew Dining Club. Chew gives you rewards and intel from Portland's best restaurants. Just download the app right now and check in at participating establishments. Get the rewards you want, like free pizzas, drinks, extended happy hour deals, and more. Plus exclusive information about fun food events and invites too. Chew. This is a special edition of Right at the Fork, and by special edition, it's a, a an edition we're releasing of a past episode that we didn't anticipate ever releasing again like this, but given the news, we're doing it today. Uh, I'm Court Johnson, by the way, along with Chris Angelis from Portland Food Adventures, who joins us via phone. Yes, good to be here, and I'm sorry to be here for this reason. Really sorry to be talking about the closing of Smallwares, um, because... It truly, it, it truly is uh, one of the sadder closings of the year. And if you look back, Court, earlier this year, we had Kurt Huffman on, yeah. who created a little bit of a stir, saying there were going to be some restaurants closing this year that were going to be surprising and mm-hmm. are going to hurt people. Yeah. And, uh, and this one, the way it was announced and that it happened, um, I said it here, too, when I read Johanna Ware's um, closing announcement on Facebook, and we'll share that. We'll post that. I'll cut and paste that onto our website. But um, really sad thing, um, and, uh, you know, we have 90 episodes uh, back in our archives. This happened to be number 12, I believe. Yes. Um, And uh, we have the opportunity when things like this happen to uh, shed a little light on it, I guess, because here, if you recall, Johanna talks about some of the challenges of being in that neighborhood and running and having space that large to mm-hmm. do what she does. Yeah. I, I think, you know, uh, it, it's definitely one of those things because as soon as I saw the announcement, it was actually your announcement on Facebook. I, I thought back to this, uh, to this episode. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think we talked about the difficulty of that neighborhood. And so right. there, there are those little nuggets in there that you're going to find that will shed some light going back two years. Right. And so she, based on what, some of the things that she said on Facebook and in this announcement for the, since she's been on the podcast, which was two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. really almost she hasn't been, or most of it has not been taking a salary and has just been hanging on because she loves what she does. Yeah. And it came to the point where she just said, I can't do this any longer. So my guess is, and my guess is as good as, is, is not very good, I guess, but I think she you will see her again opening in a different neighborhood with a smaller place. Right. Um, where she doesn't have as much to support. But, you know, my frustration in all of this is I never really understood. As someone who lives in Southwest and also spends some time on the coast, who has to drive to everywhere I eat, I never really understood why that neighborhood wasn't that 
um, that great. But actually, our our wonderful sponsor, benefactor, Leanne Bach, chimed in last night and said, you know, the neighborhood closes down early, and it's not necessarily a destination for people. Right. And I guess that makes sense. But still, uh, it's a great restaurant, and the food is great, and I don't understand why you know, a couple of miles away, there's a block where everybody flocks to. Um, I guess I do understand it, but it's frustrating that uh, that it's not like it was outside of 205. Mm-hmm. They had to travel way out there to get there. Absolutely. And we know, uh, Chris, she, she gave us the actual closing date, so there is still some time for many of us to go maybe experience uh, small wares for the first time or for those who haven't been back for a while to get in there before it closes. What's the When's the closing day? I believe it's September 24th. Yeah, so definitely so, some time to get out there and, and appreciate it. And she said, you know, it's going to be a party the last month, so I guess it's time for her to relax a little bit, and, and she indicates that this was a big relief, as sad as it is, but it's a little bit of a relief because you can imagine going the last few years, mm-hmm. really having a hard time making a go of it, finally saying, all right, I, I throw in the towel on this one. Um, that it must be a relief. Yeah. But uh, but it's sad. And, you know, I, I listened to this interview again this week, and I could hear she's a, she's a very gracious person because I trust her on a couple of questions that really she didn't want to answer. Yeah. And which was like, I just harped on the pizza thing, and she kind of finally came around and said, listen, I don't really care in so many words. <laughs> and I, it took me a while to get that hint, Court. But, yeah. Um, and then there's the other one where I was pressing her on where, what she recommends when people come to town. And I'm, you know, on the podcast, we're doing that a little less now. We're still doing it, but it's not as, it's not as key. Right. Um, and, uh, and also I might point out, this is before you were actual, uh, co-host. Yes. Um, the podcast. So you don't really hear you at all. I'm, I'm quietly in the corner monitoring levels is what I'm doing. <laughs> And you did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. So here it is, the interview that uh, you, Chris, had with Johanna uh, two years ago, over two years ago, episode 12. It's a little look back from the Right at the Fork archives. Thank you for coming. I know you have a busy week. (laughs) We almost had to kind of twist your arm a little bit (laughs) here. It is a little crazy week. Uh, it's, It's crazy looking ahead. Yeah. What do you have going this week? Uh, we have a Chinese New Year dinner on Wednesday, so just a lot of like little dim sum prep that I've got to do. <laughs> so um, you're in year two now of Small Wares, right? Or starting Almost. year three. You're, you've, Our you're anniversary out, you're... is the 15th on February. Okay, yeah. good. So you're starting year three. Yeah. So things have gone really well for you. You've got a lot of accolades. Yeah, it's been a, it's been uh, a really good year too. <laughs> more importantly, accolades come because you believe in what you do and you're good at what you do. What is it that you've learned in two years that you didn't know two years ago? I, that might be a long list, but what are some of the key things that you? Um, God, everything. I feel like my whole life has changed. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I think I'm trying to learn to give up a little control. Is what I would. It's hard because you just want to do everything. I was to lead everything. you there actually, <laughs> so I'm glad you got there before I had to ask. Um, but it's really hard. I feel like I. Uh, kind of do everything and it's hard to give it up uh but so why is that is that because is it a is it because you know what you do and you do it so well are you do you i just want to ask are you a control freak uh, 
No, I think it's because I had to do it by myself. Um, and I've kind of been through a couple of front of the house managers. And so, you know, whether it's writing checks or doing the money and, you know, I had to learn all that. Um, so I just kind of was the first one to start doing all of it because I was, you know, the only one who really knew how. <laughs> um, but that's been kind of the that whole other side of it, you know, merchant fees and POS systems and all the stuff that, you know, I've just been in the kitchen my whole life. So I hadn't really ever seen that side of it. So that's been kind of a learning so, experience. So if you had if you hadn't gone through a couple of front of, house, front of the house people, would you feel a little more relaxed now that that side of the business would be taken care of so you could concentrate in the back of the house? Yeah. If I had had someone from the start kind of really be like take that part over, um, it probably would have been a lot different. But it's hard. It's hard to find management in Portland. So uh, we generally kind of keep this as not a timely thing, but um, I guess that we can tell everybody there's always there always may be an opportunity at Smallwares for somebody who's really <laughs> good at running this front of the house. Yeah. <laughs> keep in touch with Johanna. Um, so uh, two years in, you were Eater Chef of the Year in 2012, and uh, you got some nice press in Willamette Week. Was the year that Padna's won, you were runner-up? Uh, aviary. It? Aviary. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, you yeah. know, you can't you can't feel bad about any yeah. of that. <laughs> so did you anticipate that going in, that that you were as good as you are going into small wares? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I had no idea. I mean, I had never <clears throat> um, done my own food. I'd always been a sous chef. I had never been a head chef of a restaurant. So I had never really totally done my own, you know, cuisine. I mean, I thought it was something a little different that I hadn't really seen in Portland, but I had no clue. That so did you think there was a possibility that it would not be accepted, that people would wonder what is this yeah. inauthentic Asian yeah. food? And do you think it helps to label it as inauthentic Asian? So that is, did you do that so that people wouldn't hold you to a certain Asian standard? Well, yeah. I mean, I, everyone kept saying you need like two words to describe your cuisine. And that took a long time actually to just get that. <laughs> um, did but, you think of that or did someone else? Um, I think we all just brainstormed on it. I had, I feel like I took it like a version of it from another restaurant that I had seen in New York that it had uh, Asian food like that. But yeah, I mean, it was sort of, you know, you don't want to say Asian fusion. People seem to hate that word now, but that's really what it is. <laughs> you know, it's like, but yeah, I mean... I don't want someone to think that my kimchi is some Korean mother's recipe. It's different. It's sweeter. It's you know, it's a different type of kimchi. So, but I like, think that's why that's one of the reasons that Smallwares is caught on. And my first, I first took notice when I saw chefs on Facebook talking about saying you have to go here, and using those words. You know, guys like Jason French who yeah. doesn't. I don't normally see Jason out there talking about restaurants like that. So that was what keyed me and that I have to get over there. <laughs> so you so you had no idea coming out after working for Kathy that you just had an idea and I want to open this restaurant and you got some money together and found some space. Yeah. That space over in Beaumont. How do you feel about that now? Because it's a little out there. Yeah. But it's really not. I, I don't know why people write that it's yeah. it's in a, it's a good neighborhood. It's a nice place. It's easy to park. Yeah. Um, I still am a little indifferent. It's hard. It's, I think one of the biggest things is how big the space is. It's, it's huge. And so on a Monday night, you know, 
it's it's a bit of a sleepy neighborhood in a way where like you know they're not all going to totally go out to dinner on a Monday night, and so when you need the neighborhood there, and they're not, and it's a huge space, it can feel like just kind of overwhelming how big it is. But I mean, you know, it's a hundred seats if you include the outdoor seating. It's a It'd be big for anybody to take on. <laughs> you have to do what they do at uh, arenas with rock concerts when they know they're not going to sell. They just they have these things that just cover half of the seats, yeah. so it still looks sold out. <laughs> or we could close. We for a while we weren't running the front um, small wares. We were just running in the back, but then people want to sit up in the front, so you know that's fine. But yeah, it's definitely a big space. <laughs> and so uh, you have a lot of a lot of the people are from the neighborhood that come in. Yeah, I would imagine. You've had, uh, I read the other day that Carrie Brownstein is a big fan of yours. She is. She eats there a lot when she's in town. <laughs> so um, how does that make you feel that she, uh, you know, she embodies Portland for the rest of the country and she is a regular with you when she's in town, I guess? I don't know. I mean, I like any regular that, <laughs> you know, eats out. I think it's very almost... It's kind of very New York to eat out every night. Like, I mean, our regulars in, like, when I worked at Momofuku, we had regulars that would eat five nights a week, and I was always, I'm like, do you ever cook at home? You know, it just feels like, it's, it feels sort of more, like, un-Portland to eat out that often. But. Well, plus in New York, to be a regular at one restaurant, yeah. uh, that's pretty, That you have to like it. You have yeah. to be obsessed. Yeah. And really the same thing in Portland. Yeah. Um, I find it hard doing what I do. I know quite a few chefs, I always feel terrible. I can't get to no, really yeah. eat out so much. I mean, look at me. It can't go much further. But um, you can't get – it's hard to be a regular at any one place, and I'm not in a neighborhood in downtown yeah. Portland. So Yeah. Um, but at what percentage of your business do you think is, is regulars? Have you – I mean, not a huge percentage, actually. I mean, I would say – I mean, it's got to be – it's pretty small. Especially since it is kind of hard to get to. Um, we still have a lot, you know, on every night I'll look at our reservation system and there's a lot of first-time diners still. So you forget that. I know I know that in year one when we were really struggling, I thought, well, everybody has had to have eaten here. But you forget that you've only reached like maybe 1% of Portland. So, you know, we constantly still have first-time diners. So it's still really important for us to... Impress you know, them. Not everybody, as much as they don't want to admit it, not everybody reads Eater. I know. <laughs> subscribes to Eater, and not everybody reads uh, Eat Beat and Portland Monthly. Yeah. And you tend to think, people in the industry tend to think that everybody knows everything. Yeah. But there's a huge contingent of people who think that Portland City Grill and Jake's are the Portland food scene. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, then they start discovering places like yours and... Um, it's a whole new ball game, but so you um, you spent some time with Kathy Wims at Nostrana. Yeah. What did you learn most from Kathy? I think to help you succeed where you are. Um, I mean, she really helped introduce me to you know the farmers and uh, other chefs, and you know, kind of it was my sort of introduction back to Portland. I hadn't been here in eight years, so it was good. You know, I wanted to connect with somebody who had a pretty long career here. So Kathy was definitely on my radar. And yeah, she taught me just a lot about what's going on in Portland. So it was good. Did you, when you started working for Kathy, did you have in mind that you wanted to open small wares or were you, you know, if I build my skills, it will come? Were no, I, mean, I moved back here to open a restaurant for sure. Um, that was my main goal, but I just wanted to kind of... You were pretty young. So you got some good experience in New York <laughs> and thought, 
okay, I'm ready to ro- I'm ready to rock here. Yeah, I mean, I always think like I could have, and maybe I should have just kept cooking for a while, or you know, gone and staged at some cool restaurants across the world. Um, it's hard. I think it's in my family nature. We just we like to run our own businesses and work for ourselves. It's just sort of a little theme in my family. So I, I mean, it's just kind of this. I just wanted to do it. So yeah, but yeah, I could have probably cooked for another 10 years before I opened a restaurant. You know, you learn something new in every kitchen that you're in and every day, so. So you had gone to the University of Oregon, mm-hmm. and then you went to New York and cooked there. Did you know you wanted to come back to Oregon at some point? I'm kind of going backwards yeah. here. But, uh, so were you, in, in, you were gaining the experience in New York to get back here. Yeah, I definitely, the end goal was to come back here and open a restaurant. So what was the coolest thing that happened to you in New York? God, I don't know. <laughs> Well, if you were if you were to sit back, and I know I'm springing that question on you, but if you were to sit back and uh, we all have memories of certain places, yeah, um, there have to be, you know, New York's a cool city. There are probably a lot of things, yeah, that happened. But is there anything that really stuck with you that that you know you uh, have your New York roots in your heart now? Not roots, but you have that time in New York in your heart. Oh, uh, I mean, it's hard. I think everything that happened there was important and influential. I mean, I feel like I ate so much food and new cuisines that I had never even, you know, I mean, I was introduced to like Korean food and different types of Chinese food and Indian, like things that I had never experienced um, living in like, you know, uh, white suburban, like Midwestern town that I grew up in. Um, I mean, I, I knew a lot about food, but it really just opened my eyes to everything. I mean, every ingredient I used in, like every restaurant I ate at, every cook that I met, it was just totally... Completely. I, 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 I wouldn't be like where I am here without that experience. So was that your first real exposure to Asian food? Yeah. I mean, you know, we ate Chinese food and went out for like sushi and stuff as kids. But you know, my mom was really into food. So we, we did eat a lot. in Illinois when you were, <laughs> when you were a kid? They did. <laughs> and we would go downtown. My mom was really into food. So we, we went and ate at really good restaurants in Chicago. But it was definitely like... Um, yeah, I mean, my my first restaurant public, I really learned about like Middle Eastern and Indian, and obviously Australian food. And then uh, at Momo, I definitely learned about Korean, and and then just a whole other world beyond obviously sushi and like tempura. You know, it's like this huge. The Japanese culture is uh, a lot more than that, obviously. So yeah, you know, really kind of delve deep into that type of food. So yeah. Okay, so pizza. Since you grew up in Chicago, deep dish or New York style. Or I would say New Haven style. That's a whole... That's, yeah. I throw that into the... That's really the winner. <laughs> it's funny. My husband and I, he's from New York. We get into this conversation a lot where I feel like you can't compare them. They're totally different pizzas. I would compare thin crust Chicago pizza to New York, which I like Chicago's better, only because they cut it into squares. <laughs> and I always loved that. And I, I always think New York pizza's floppy. And I don't like it. <laughs> so you're, you're not a folder? No. In fact, I ate the crust first once, and my husband screamed at me. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? You're kidding me. <laughs> I've never seen anybody eat the crust. So well, it's, the, it's the most boring part, so i got to get rid of that first. So they're making thin crust pizza in Chicago, yeah. and then they cut it in the squares, like Greek style? Yeah, like little squares. So there'd be like little triangles at the end. You know, I, yeah, I loved triangle. it. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a place, a Greek style pizza, where I grew up in Connecticut, and that's really where I had all my first pizza called Post Corner Pizza. Yeah. And they they have kind of a hybrid. It's like a candy delicious crust and the um, 
They do sort of a deep dish, but they cut it all in. The smalls yeah. are not squares. The smalls are just cut like a regular pizza. Yeah. But um, anyway, I'm kind of getting getting into Nostrana. Yeah. Um, back to Nostrana anyway. It segues to, to Italian. Um, how is the Portland pizza? Well, Who, you know, I'm not a huge... Pizza right? I'm a big pizza <laughs> fan, so I have to ask yeah, this. Yeah, I'm not a huge pizza fan. It's funny. I, I really, like, didn't grow up eating a lot of pizza. And then when I moved to New York... Um, you know, my husband, it's like, that's like culture there. You like eat a slice, you know, three times a week. And I didn't, I mean, I just never really ate that much pizza. So I don't really crave it. And then after working at Nostrana, I really like was around pizza so much that I almost never, ever go out for pizza. It's All weird. Right. Yeah. I guess it's time for me to move away from pizza then <laughs> with you. Let's go to something. Um, let's talk a little bit about, cause I know I, I met your mom. She's a delightful woman. Um, and she was an important part of your upbringing, obviously. She's your mother, but it's your food upbringing. Yeah. What What are your best food memories, or what are your vivid food memories as a child? Um, She makes an incredible steak <laughs> and would make steak with cream spinach and mashed potatoes. That was a meal that we had, but, like, just, I mean, I remember telling her to cook mine longer because she would make a medium rare. Now I'm, like, obviously changed my ways, but she made, I mean, she just cooked a lot. She, like... Um, I mean, I loved her fajitas, like just stupid things like that. She made amazing cookies. Um, but yeah, she cooked dinner every night. She cooked breakfast every morning. It was, you know, we, we sat around on the table and ate and, uh, had family dinner. So it was just really important. And, you know. Did you go out a lot as a kid? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, we definitely had some really awesome food experiences. I remember she and I went to Charlie Trotter's when I was like 16 Mm. And her friend knew Charlie Trotter from um, some restaurant in Miami. I can't remember how they knew each other, but so they did a tasting menu for us that just, I mean, mom and I still talk about it. It was like 20 courses, you know, I was 16 and then they took us back to the kitchen. I mean, it was crazy. It was like, and the way the service ran, you know, it was just one of those kind of amazing food memories. Was that possibly your, your moment? You're kind of right at, <laughs> I'm going to take a right at the fork here moment. Yeah, I think you thought I like I could I could do this or I like this. Yeah, I think it was around my junior year in high school when everyone started to talk about college that I got my first like um, guide to culinary schools. And was going to go to culinary school straight out of high school, but um, just decided to go to college first, which I'm glad I did. But <laughs> and what'd you major in in college? Uh, English. So what did that have to do with culinary here? Did you have other you have ever thought other thoughts in your mind when you majored in English? Yeah, I mean I I basically spent the entire I did as much creative writing classes as I could. Um, so, and then I was in this sort of um, this creative writing program there that at, you have to like submit your portfolio and stuff at U of O. So that was really cool. It was a year long course. So I definitely like writing would be something that I would do if I wasn't cooking. And I mean, at some point, I'd love to do some food writing. So I felt like that was good. It's not like I wasted well, my college career. <laughs> maybe when you give up a little time at the restaurant, yeah. you can blog about small words. I bet you a lot of people would read about that. Yeah. Or. Right, your small wares. <laughs> so you, so um, what did what did your mom do to steak? Other than the fact that it was Midwest beef, yeah. Um, but what did your mom do to steak to make it so great? You know, she didn't do anything. I think that was it. She just cut, like she, you know, taught me that if you buy good ingredients, so she would buy like really good beef and just salt and pepper, and she just she was really good she at griller. It, she yeah, she's grilled it really grilled it to perfection, yes. not the way they put it on the menu. Yeah. Um, so. Then that was the first thing that came to mind when I asked you about your mom's food 
what does she particularly love about Smallwares when she comes to visit? What is it that she's raving about and telling her friends about? Um, I mean, I usually try to feed her everything that's on the menu because she'll stay for about a week and come in every night. Um, she usually loves the like fish dishes, like the halibut and stuff, um, and loves the raw, uh, all the like sashimi that I do, and the uh, like oysters and stuff. So I think she, I mean, she likes it all. She's good. She's a good critic. Sometimes she'll critique a dish and I'll get angry about it. But <laughs> she's probably right. Are you open to the, I mean, so you get angry about it, yeah. but the, you have to realize everybody doesn't like the same thing. Right. Well, like I overdressed a salad, well, you know, it's, and she also made salad every night. We ate salad before we ate our meal and she made really fancy salads and taught me not to overdress a salad. And <laughs> I served her a salad that was a little overdressed and she uh, definitely told me that it wilted the greens and I felt it's a very rookie mistake, especially to do to your mother in your own restaurant. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, if you're going to do it to someone, yeah, you may as well do it to your mom. You're yeah. going to get the best best reaction. Yeah. So, did she say anything about spice? No, she's pretty good about it. I mean, she, you know, obviously there are some things that are really spicy, but no, she's she's good. Yeah. And do you, um, since the food is sort of spicy, yeah. sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, as yeah. you said. Um, do you have at the in the front of the house are the servers aware of that and make it clear to people? Do yeah. they ask what the, what they can tolerate as far as spice? Yeah, I mean, there's a few dishes that um, I don't think people think are going to be as spicy as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely make sure the front of the house tells them um, because it's you know then it just gets sent back and people have said that I've like ruined their palate because it was so spicy. So I definitely if there's a dish that I think is you know, particularly spicy, then I make sure the staff tells them. So how often in advance are you thinking of new dishes and how are you how are you most inspired? Um, I mean, we change the menu a lot. Um, I think I get more bored of a dish and then want to change it before I think about a new dish. Um, but it all depends. I mean, I just had to go back to Chicago and I had, you know, four hours, eight hours total of plane ride and just finally got to sit and like read some food magazines and take notes and um, got to, you know, when I get eat out to dinner somewhere, it's a new restaurant that's something like similar to my cuisine. You know, I always kind of take, I take notes on my phone and stuff or if I read something. So it kind of all develops through there. Or if, you know, a certain fish is available or, you know, it's Dungeness crab season. So it all kind of depends. What do you, it is Dungeon. What are you doing with Dungeness crab now? Um, well, we have a, soup on that we make a stock out of all the crab shells and then we have a little crab salad that we're doing with um some like confit uh meyer lemon and um, pine nuts and obviously some korean spice in there some chili flakes so yeah it's really good avocado so what's your favorite ingredient to work with if you had if you were if you're cooking for the president tomorrow oh god what would you make him um i mean i really like hanger steak we almost always have it on the menu we have a really awesome like Korean barbecue marinade, and it's, I mean, it's foolproof. It's delicious. I could put it with anything. It sells, it's, and I like steak. <laughs> and what drink would you serve him? Oh, probably some really good wine of some sort. Um, well, you have some great cocktails. I'm surprised that you said that you yeah. went with wine. Well, I'm really kind of going through this wine renaissance right now. My Actually, my front house manager is um, just has an amazing palate, and, you know, being a cook, you never really got involved in the beverage side of the restaurant. You know, maybe at lineup, I'd run out and show them the special, and I'd get, like, a taste of a wine that they were putting on the menu. But um, it's been, like, a really big part of the 
experience for me is being able to be part of the beer and the wine list and um, help develop the cocktails. So she's really teaching me a lot about wine, and I feel like I'm learning more than I ever have, and uh, it's really awesome. I'm just really enjoying kind of these funky, oxidized, unfiltered, barnyardy wines that are so beyond Pinot Gris, and, you know, I mean, it's like it's just this, like, great sort of fun new discovery for me, so. And I do love our cocktails. I do think Taylor makes amazing cocktails. But. Yeah, no, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. Every time, I'm not a big drinker, but yeah. I know I, every time I've had a drink at Smallwares or Barwares, it's been great, especially the one you served to open up our Portland oh. Adventures a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, he's good about balance and all that, so that's good. That, that was amazing. Um, so who is your, who's your new... Who's handling the wine? Or you mentioned her. What's her name? Uh, her name's Sarah, uh, Sarah Eglin, and she's been with me now almost almost a year. I mean, about probably nine months, so it's really good. She uh, Is she also your front of the house yeah. manager? Yeah, so it's good, yeah. And where'd she come from? She was actually working at mo- like all these different wine bars in town, so she works for, you know, she was working at Cork and uh, Vino and Southeast Wine Collective, so she kind of knows all the little indie winemakers in town also and. Um, yeah, so she's been kind of working at all the wine shops. So you're kind of a very special group. There were a lot of chefs that are doing really well right now who worked for Kathy, Anthony, yeah. Taffiero, and Rodney. Was he there when you were? No, he wasn't, but I, I know his, yeah. That he so who else, was, who else were you working with? Kelly Myers, yeah. right? Yeah, Kelly. Um, and Liz Davis. Yeah, so they're at Chico now, and that, that was great. Um, they, the crew that I was working with is still... Over there at uh, Nostrana, like the a lot of them. yeah, yeah, the guy who took my job, and um, they're all doing great. I mean, they they're so passionate about Italian food; it's great. That's what you know. I mean, I love Italian food, but it wasn't my favorite thing to like cook every day. I mean, I love like eating it. Like when I go out, obviously, since I'm around Asian food so much, I want like French and Italian, and that's what I want to eat. Drink big wines, and but um, the people running Nostrana are just amazing. I think one of them just got back from Italy. Like they just really have a lot of passion about it, so it's good. Well, also, the folks at Chico just went to Oaxaca. Yeah, yeah. And I know. Back, so. Maybe I'll take my crew to Japan. Yeah, when are you going to do that? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. I'd love to. I'm you know, thinking about maybe doing a, a big trip in, in the summer. Oh, I can't take great. my staff. <laughs> well, you could. I, I Did they shut Chico down? I think they yeah. may have. They didn't. They kept it going with eight people Yeah. going. So um, that would be kind of fun. So the... the uh, the springboards in Portland have changed. You know, there was there was Wildwood and Genoa and, and then the Nostranas of the world and a lot of chefs have gone from there. Have you started to springboard some people into their own opportunities from small wares yet? <laughs> You're only two years in. Yeah, but. not yet. Um, we've got a pretty young crew. Um, we're pretty close-knit. They've been there for now. They've all been there for at least a year. Um, but... Um, no, I mean we the kitchen crew's kind of been the same for a while and yeah, none of that yet. <laughs> so they so they enjoy working with you. What kind of boss are you? Cuz you before you were at Smallwares, you were obviously not anyone's boss. Well, you yeah. probably were somebody's boss, yeah. but not everyone's boss. Yeah. Um I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm strict, but I'm also really generous and we have a really good time. I mean, I'm a very sarcastic uh humorous person and it's I mean we like spend a lot of our day laughing it's I, you know you, and you have to have a thick skin I really like to as a single parent <laughs> I learned early that sarcasm was a good way to go because yeah. 
you don't feel you're nagging as much. Yeah. You can kind of make your point in hopefully a humorous way. Yeah, yeah. There's a uh, lot of, if you've got a thick skin or you're sensitive, and I learned that through some of the, some of my staff uh, who has not, is not working for me any longer, is that if you're sensitive, you just shouldn't work for me because I'm, I'm pretty pretty harsh and I like to joke around and we make fun of each other all the time. Like it's just, we're just kind of those people. It's like we're like older brothers or something. <laughs> so was that the way it was in New York at, at Momofuku? Yeah, I mean. Momofuku. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I don't want to work at a restaurant that doesn't feel like a family. I mean, it's, you're there so much. So uh, most restaurants that I worked at, we were all really close and it's like a locker room. It's like a boys. It's like a middle school boys locker room. I feel like when you like work in a kitchen. I wouldn't want to be there. Then <laughs> those are some of the most horrifying moments of my life. <laughs> There's just a lot of jokes and laughing, and you know we all like are you just become really close with people because you see them every day, all day. So yeah, I feel like you see them more than you see your husband. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he's a big he's a big supporter of yours. He oh yeah, he's uh, your, I meant he's your champion. He yeah. loves what you're doing. He's he knows what he was getting into. Yeah, and he he helps with the business side of it. It's tax season right now, and I, you know, just want to pull my hair out. But he's great at stuff like that. So he's he's kind of got this side that he knows everything about anything. I mean, I could call him and ask him any question about it. It's like he's just sort of a little knowledge. He just has so much, so it's great. I can call him and ask him really stupid questions that. You know, make me feel stupid like doing taxes yeah, well, <laughs> and bookkeeping. That's not what you wanted to do. So, it's yeah. good to, so who else do you tap into other than your husband in, in town? I know um, it took you a while to get out and do events because yeah. there's so many events in Portland. Took you a little while, and now I see you're doing, you're participating more and more. Yeah, I'm trying to do it. It's hard. I mean, truthfully, I don't totally love events. I don't feel like I, could, I put out my best food. I think is one of my biggest problems. I haven't really found. Like, I've never done catering, so to do a 1,000 bites of something is overwhelming for me. Um, and I haven't really found—I mean, for the first few events, I refused to cook. I just did room temp octopus salad. I was like, I can't cook any—I'm like, I'm so intimidated to, like, put anything together. Um, I mean, I'm still a pretty—I'm not a really ego-driven chef. I still really have a lot of doubts in my own food. So I feel like I just have to find a few— staple good event dishes and then I won't be so stressed out about them but for right now I just stress out. <laughs> it's interesting when you think you can you can do some um, incredible things in your kitchen, pour your heart into it, have complex ingredients and dishes and then go to an event like Feast <laughs> yeah. and feed hundreds of people the same thing, thousands of people and that's what you're judged on. Yeah. It's 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 hard and it's a really great opportunity to I mean I felt like the first few events we did it was like small wares. What is this? What where are? What is this food? Octopus. And I just was so, you know, it just it, it hurt almost. But now I feel like I go to events. At least people are like, oh, I know small wares. I eat there. I'm like, oh, thank God. So it's hard, but you still are reaching a ton of new people. So it's they're they're important events. I just I don't know. I just for some reason get intimidated by them. I think <laughs> it's the, it's mostly the Portland adver food advertising culture is yeah. events. They're not. Buying like New York, they're not buying ads in New Yorker or yeah. New York Magazine. They're you know you do events and yeah. it's hands on. It's word of mouth. You know you got to get out there. But so when um, when you guys have the opportunity, where are you going out in Portland right now? What are you what are you digging? Um, well, you know I always, I mean I still go back to Nostrana, um, but I like, I, yeah I just kind of I, I feel like the last few places I ate were like Ava Jeans and St. Jack's and Little Bird, and I think it's just because. 
I want something totally different and, you know, something that I'm not going to find at my restaurant. Like, I want, like, chicken liver mousse or something, you know, pretty, nothing like. Oh, something pretty simple. Well, <laughs> well I'm not, you know, i actually messing around with that for Valentine's Day dinner, but. But yeah, it's, I just want to eat something like that. Or like I, we eat a lot of actually when I do out, go out for Asian, um, I love like Korean barbecue. I took my whole uh, kitchen staff there for a Christmas lunch at a, and I, everyone says you have to go out to Beaverton. I think Toji on Hawthorne is like one of my favorites. They have like an amazing seafood pancake and they crack a raw egg into the like boiling kimchi stew at the table. It's awesome. It's really good. I recommend everyone go there. That's good. Yeah. Toji? Yeah. It's like on 47th, I feel like. Right. It's not far from, uh, it's like uh, next from to, Fred Meyer. Yeah. It's a couple of blocks away from yeah. there. Near like that porcano up there. Um, so what about any smaller places? Do you ever do the food carts? You're... I don't. <laughs> I, I, I'm not anti-food cart. I just, I really like get to my day off and I just want to be served. I want to sit down. And I want people to bring food to me. And I want to be able to have a glass of wine. So it's hard. I, and I, I think you get to disclaim this by saying you don't get to get out right. that often. So it's not yeah. like every day yeah. you can say, where are we going to go eat? This or if I like, a- work downtown and I had to, you know, my husband works downtown. He gets lunch every day. You know, then I would probably eat more at the food carts. If I hear about one that I, you know, is supposed to be really good, I'll go and. Um, How often do you get out? I mean, I try to go out to on, Are you open seven days a week? Yeah. Yeah. So I try to go out on Sundays, um, but that would be the only night that I would actually go out to eat. And not every not every place is actually well, most places are yeah. open on Sunday, but now at least yeah. So if people are coming in from out of town and they want the Portland experience and they have one or two days, I know you just mentioned some places that you've gone, but yeah. in your mind, what are the consummate spots that must be experienced for Breakfast, lunch, dinner, or just something to do? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to you even... You don't have a go-to place that when someone comes in from out of town? I know you want, I know small wares would be one. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, people... actually, I always try to use that as like an opportunity to go somewhere I haven't been. Um, but Portland's food scene has changed so much. I mean, I feel like when people come here, you know, you go to the airport and you see people holding, like, boxes of voodoo donuts and everybody goes to Pock Pock. I mean, they feel like... There's a different, like, if you're a tourist here, you're going to go to places that maybe I wouldn't go um, if I have people in town because I could eat there anytime. So I, I usually am selfish and I use it as an opportunity to go to a new place. But so, uh, sometimes they're not with you because yeah. they're not always ready to go out on a Sunday night. So yeah. I don't know. I asked the question because you oh, I often get asked, what are your favorite restaurants? And it's really, that's an impossible yeah. answer because that changes. And it's hard. And you, you give someone an answer of five places and then, oh, no, yeah. that I forgot. Yeah. And so I think the best way to couch it and generally what I've done is, you know, if someone comes in from out of town, they're not even see- with you. Yeah. Where do you tell them to go? You know, often I get from chefs to go sit at the counter at Le Pigeon. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I like people to go to Toro Bravo because I think they can eat a lot of yeah. different, try to, a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm just trying to. Play. It's hard. I Nostrana, have... right? Let's, yeah. let's say you tell them to go to yeah. Nostrana. Yeah, it's hard. I, I you know, I, I feel like I still get that question. People ask me like they're going to New York, where they should, you know, where should they eat? I'm like, I don't. What do you feel like? <laughs> you know, what, well, what's your price true, point? Well, that's true too. It's the same thing when someone must come into your restaurant and ask a server, "What should I have?" Yeah, that's like, you're, yeah. What do you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's hard. I, I feel like um, I'm somebody too who like I don't eat the same thing every day. I like variety. 
if I've eaten at a restaurant, I probably won't eat there for another year because you only get a small opportunity to eat at places. So I, I definitely am someone who likes to kind of try everything. So it's Are a, you a breakfast person? Um, I mean, I love breakfast, but I'm not going to go out for brunch. <laughs> I no, worked I worked tough. brunch for too long. Well, but you can, you know, on the way to work at least. Have you been to Pips down the street? Um, yeah, we'll get donuts from there every once in a while for the staff and stuff, yeah. They're great right out of the fryer. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like French fries. You have to have them yeah. right then and there. I know. It's great. They fry them to order. You got to love that. They're pretty good. Yeah. So where do you see, when you came out to uh, Portland, you had small wares in your sights. Where do you now see, can you, are you projecting out five years where you see yourself in your restaurant? Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to think sort of, you know, I mean- my lease is up in November. It's kind of it's, uh, things are up in the air. I'm trying to figure out kind of what the next move is. So, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you, <laughs> it's possible that small wares could be moving. Possibly, it's definitely. I mean, I'm definitely considering it. Um, you know, maybe opening two different places, like a small wares and a bar wares. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we'll see. Because it's hard. Sometimes people come, and they want to sit in bar wares. It's the same restaurant, but that it does kind of have two different vibes to it, and. Um, I feel like I could sort of finally create two different vibes and two different things, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a lot. To, <laughs> I mean, it was so hard to do it the first time. To think about even like doing it another time is overwhelming, but yeah. But it's really almost right around the corner. <clears throat> if yeah. You're talking, it lends, the lease ends in October. So. Yeah, I only have a couple months to decide, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we'll look forward to that answer. And yeah. thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank I, you for I having appreciate me. it. I know you're really busy, and I know. <laughs> Um, it was a, it was a, it's a privilege to have you here and really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right